well, there's been a lot that's happened. Yeah, it's been a it's been a big, big three weeks, I guess. So that was the last time we. Uh... Ian, uh, let's let's do some let's do some sports ball. Yeah. Um, how how big of a, a basketball fan are you? Um, I, I, I would say in. In general, I, I'm not as big a basketball fan as, as I am a hockey fan, but but uh, I am a huge Raptors fan. Uh, I I remember w- when they came into the league, and I remember them being terrible for many many years on end, and it was amazingly satisfying. <laughs> To watch them win a championship, I have strong opinions about their logo. <laughs> uh, apparently, so uh, so does Monster uh, Monster Energy drinks. There's there's some kind of a lawsuit going on right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a terrible logo. <laughs> I I mean, look, it it is a terrible name. We all knew that it was a terrible name at 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 the time that that. That, that like the team was being created. It was just like right after Jurassic Park came out, and so the the timing was quite unfortunate. <laughs> are, your, are your kids into dinosaurs yet? Mine mine are, and um, I have discovered some things because I didn't know much about ra- raptors. Were not like a big deal when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. but like yeah, they're actually like little birds. That's such a disappointing yeah. thing to learn. Yeah. They are like so, uh, really mean turkeys. Yeah. Would be like how that well, I would describe what a velociraptor yeah. is. Okay, so so confession time. Uh, I was hugely into dinosaurs as a kid, of course, um, and uh, and when Jurassic Park came out. Uh, oh, you were well actually in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, I was basically like, that is not a Velociraptor, that is a Deinonychus. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> this is very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so like I, I was actually a little bit annoyed at the movie because what the hell? Um anyway, it it, it 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 turns out I I read about it later that the producers knew this. Yeah. No. Um, it's just that Velociraptor is a much cooler name than Dinonychus, and they were just they they took some literary license. I mean, I'm going to take the sides of the producers here <laughs> yeah. and like let's make it cool and not make it be a super dangerous turkey. Yeah. Um. It, you know, like sometimes the details don't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, for for the story you're trying yeah. to tell. Yeah, uh, but but I mean I you know I, one of the interesting things about about those those uh those dinosaurs is that they're it, it seems to be a reasonable theory that they are closely related to birds. Yeah. Civic island bird uh called uh, uh uh an ossuary that has a very similar form to like those two dinosaurs and like also has like very, very sharp feet claws. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that, that bird might also be like one of the most dangerous animals on the planet. Uh, if you, if you run into it, it does tend to kill people. I love the, I, I am fascinated by the conditional probability of dangerous animals, mm-hmm. right? Like where if you don't condition properly, like bees are yeah. more dangerous than sharks. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I do genuinely believe that like deer are some of the most dangerous animals out there. Yeah. Not because again, like if you condition it properly, they're, you know, like you'd probably rather be in as close vicinity to a deer than a bear. Yeah. But like, people don't get close to bears because they come with the appropriate warning signs where people are like, Oh, adorable deer. <laughs> and then it kicks them. Yeah. Um, well, know. and also it, it can carry a whole bunch of things too. Oh is, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 mosquitoes run, mosquitoes are the run, worst. Run, yeah. run, run a similar way. And, um, yeah, there, I think Bill, Bill Gates, uh, at, at one point, not that long ago, put up put up a tweet, essentially being like, being like, I would way rather run into a shark than a mosquito. Mosquitoes are way more dangerous, and uh, obviously, like, got hammered on Twitter for the conditional on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the point he was trying to make was that mosquitoes are super dangerous, and so anything that you can do to mitigate that is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's making you know a good point that on the level, on the whole malaria kills more people than yeah than he sharks was, do, even if the conditional probably you know, the poorly conditioned reasoning about that. Well, I mean, it, I'm I'm sure he understands the conditioning. Uh, my guess is he was trying to make a marketing point on a thing he really cares about. <laughs> one of one of those two things. <laughs> Come on, he's a smart guy. Give him the benefit hey, of the doubt. Hey, even smart people, like, you have to focus in order to, like, really, like, understand posterior probability, I think, mm. right? Even smart people make these types of, like, failure to condition mistakes all the time. Uh, fair fair yeah. enough. I, yeah. I, I just, like, I don't know that I would necessarily assume that that someone at uh, that like s- someone that you knew to be quite bright was definitely doing that he's on certainly, Twitter. He's certainly <laughs> capable of, of yeah. understanding that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell me how it is to be a Toronto Raptors fan in the Bay Area. Oh, I mean that was awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so my it's it's not just that I live in the Bay Area. Uh, my wife's whole family is from the Bay Area, um, and so she she grew up here watching the Warriors. Oh, I, I take it uh, you act like you you acted like you've been there before. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I did not act like I have been there before because I had not been there before. Okay, I knew um, the answer to that. <laughs> um, but it was more that like people asked me, they were like, "Oh, so you know," because previous to this, we watched the Warriors. We were very happy yeah. when when the Warriors won, and then and then during uh, when this series first started, people asked me, they were like, so, like, you're going to be happy either way, right? Because, like, if the Raptors win, the Raptors won. And, and if the Warriors win, like, no. Jen, Jen, Jen will be happy and, like, and your whole family will be happy. And I was like, no. That's not how it <laughs> no, is No, that is not how it works. <laughs> the Warriors have won. <laughs> This is our turn to win. I would like to win now. <laughs> I have I've had I had previous experience with this with the when the Giants faced the A's in 1989. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I love the A's. I remember that series. Right. <laughs> and then after that series, I hated the A's. Like that's how yeah. that worked, right? Yeah. Like I did not, I could not bring myself to like the A's again for many, many, like many, many years. Yeah. I even felt slightly okay when the Dodgers beat the A's in the World Series, which was really weird. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I, 
to be to be clear, like I don't hate the Warriors, but if they played again, I would still want the Raptors to win. Um, and right. well, but if they, if I'm saying, if the Raptors lose. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that would not be hard. It's gonna be hard, hard to be like I like the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to watch the Warriors again after that for a while. Yes, uh, what I, what I will say is like the it, it was a very odd feeling afterwards because like I didn't know what to do with myself, mm-hmm. um, and you can see that essentially like uh, every major pundit and sports columnist was was and still is feeling exactly the same way because for like years on end at the end of the season it, it would just be all of these angsty articles about like how are they going to get out of this hole what are they going to do uh like here's all the stuff that went wrong like this is how we fix it or or here are the options to fix it but really none of these are going to work because everything is terrible and uh, and at the end of this season, they couldn't write any of those. And it was like really clear how much they were struggling to like, figure out what to write about as opposed to, to, to like basically just being like, Hey, we just want a championship. Can we like be happy yeah. for a second or two? I mean, like imagine how Boston was after, after like, after that, like they're like, in fact, like the sports writers, they're still right as though it's like a tragic team that can't get out of its own way yeah like they're clearly this is like 20 years of being a good baseball team <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean i mean in boston it was like all the teams started winning at once there's literally mm-hmm. nothing to be angsty about yes but that like it just doesn't it doesn't suit the, like it's yeah. not how that city works right? yeah like that uh, especially the sports media yeah so so there's like a little bit of that going on which is like kind of funny but at the same time it is it was, it it is it is it is a nice feeling to watch to like watch a team that you grew up rooting for win. Uh, the only other time that this has happened to me was when when the Blue Jays were winning in the early nineties. But like I was I was a kid then, mm-hmm. so like that's a very different experience than like as an adult, like like watching something you hoped for as a kid. Yeah, it is it is different. I'm not sure which one's better. Like I, I Yeah, it's it's like actually kinda hard to say. Yeah. Like, I, I think I got more satisfaction out of the Giants winning late in my later in my life mm-hmm. than the forty like I, you when you're a kid and your sports teams are good. Yeah, like you, you just kind of you assume start that's always that that's... gonna be the case. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean I I I feel like this 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 one, and and I say this as a person who literally did nothing but like watch things happen on television. So, um, you want to claim some ownership over yeah. what happened? Of course, yeah. Yeah. You take some credit. Um, but but this might have been a little bit more satisfying, just because like at this point in my life, like I know how hard it is to like actually do things successfully. <laughs> uh, you know, as a kid, you do something successfully, you basically assume you will always have success. Uh, like as, you know, by like middle age, you kind of know that you're going to, that like, it's actually hard to do things well and that you're going to fail at a bunch of stuff too. Which is why most like aging pop and rock stars release a country album when they hit middle age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 probably a 
target demographic. I mean, uh, I think it's a mixture of marketing and like, here's a bunch of stuff that I'm sad about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So that I, I, that's probably all of the sports ball yeah. <laughs> that our audience can handle. Yeah. We both like sports. We don't, we, you don't have to like sports. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry if you don't. Uh Go ahead and tell us what it is that you'd rather hear us matter <laughs> on about, and we're, ha- we're happy to discuss that with you too. Movies, uh, TV, those are those are good things. Yeah, uh, just not like right after the NBA championship has you, just you, ended. You give Ian some space. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and also just to be clear, like if if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, like it. it would be very very difficult for me to not blabber on about that. Well, for, just I was thinking we could start up a whole YouTube channel that would be just like sports and household takes <laughs> if people are interested in that. Uh, you know, like a side business. Uh, shall we talk about Looker a little bit? Sure. Um, Looker got Looker got bought for a lot of money. For a lot of money, I. And then I, Tableau got bought. Tableau got bought. I, I, also for a lot of money. Also for a lot of money. I've used both these products. Yeah. I really dislike using Tableau, mm-hmm. even though I understand why people yeah. buy it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel similarly. Um, it's I, I, not for me. Yeah. I, I like actually think like them and Salesforce is probably a better match than like any other, any other acquirer that that they could have chosen. Microsoft would have been an interesting one to buy Tableau. Uh, but, I mean... Yeah, Microsoft seems to be, like, like sliding more towards developers, though, and, like, it, it's not a technical product, right? Like, it's just not a developer. It's the opposite of a technical product. It's something that, like, makes developers unhappy. It <laughs> workflows on them that they don't like or... Uh, um, causes them to chase down errant, uh, errant extracts that are <laughs> slamming their database that they can't identify. I will, I, I will, I will have to think about that. Um, it's a tech debt product. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Salesforce is an interesting company to buy Tableau. Yeah. And like, I, I couldn't tell what you, whether you were saying it as a compliment that, no, it, that Salesforce is a good match for Tableau I mean, or whether I, you were implicitly saying like, Oh, welcome to configuration uh, switch hell. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was, I, I was legitimately saying it as a compliment, uh, because like it, it, it sort of fits it, like, like you could slot it into their vertical relatively easily, um, in that like you know sale, Salesforce essentially like they 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 have uh, they're they're the standard in like in like workflow tooling around around sales uh, and and like kind of business growth type type efforts. So like anything that doesn't really have uh, have to like fit into your software stack. So like the actual technical runnings of your business, like Salesforce almost assuredly has some kind of offering to like allow you to run that piece. Um, and, and to me, like that's actually quite a natural place to put Tableau in a business, uh, to to like basically say, okay, we're not going to like run the business critical stuff through here. But but it's like a f- or or, uh, I, or sorry we're not going to run the product critical stuff through here, but you know but the sales analytics the marketing analytics like like that that kind of stuff 
like where like those teams might actually like need to be quite large and they're like difficult to automate because there's a lot of ambiguity in the data and like and and all of that. Like Tableau is not a terrible tool yeah. to use for that sort of thing when like you're not really going to be pulling in developers to like to like to like do that stuff. I don't feel like I see Tableau used in that way a lot, though. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of companies. I mean, Patreon uses it for like our our like KPI dashboards. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. So that I that I don't think is a great idea. It's just not really built for that. In on one hand, it is like I do think Tableau offers the best visualization. Like in terms of like the best visualizations you can do without writing like extensive code yeah. right and i do mean extensive code like i really don't think our like i love ggplot i use it a lot i can't stand ggplot but in order to make good visualizations yeah. with ggplot yeah, like i have to, to write a lot of yeah. code yeah. right and like that that is yeah. you can like i feel like tableau allows me to make better visualizations with less code i noticed that i did not say with less work yeah <laughs> because i i actually think the amount of work it takes me Mm-hmm. To write a good, to build a good dashboard in in Tableau is pretty comparable to making uh, a really good one-off visualization in um, in like uh, a notebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do feel like if you are uh, if you're most comfortable in like point and click, then Tableau is is the best compromise you're going to get of like being able to build good visualizations and being able to like. I guess what they call slice and dice data for whatever that means. Yeah, I mean you have to you have to pull in the data. You have to either pull in a lot of data yeah. or know what you're doing in yeah. order to really do the slice and dice bit. Yeah. It's like but that's kind of what it was built for. Like it, it can deal with with larger data sets than Excel. You can deal with larger data sets with Excel. It's better I think it offers better yeah. visualizations than Excel. I yeah. like I really wish that Tableau were built a decade later. Because the workflow is pretty typically download a workbook, yeah. mess with it, re re push it to the server. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using tab like what either a Tableau server or Tableau online, yeah, and that's not great, yeah, right for a lot of reasons. Um, and the worst part is, is that every time you download a notebook, it opens up a new Tableau instance on your desktop, at least the Mac version yeah. does. So if you've got more than one notebook open, yeah, like this is one of the more system <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. This is one of the more recent, the worst intensive things that I open, like I do on my computer yeah. regularly. And, uh, I mostly just want to work on the web page, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. my expectation on how good, visualization software should probably work because it's like not ambiguous as to what state anything is in. I don't have to remember to publish it. Like the, yeah. And then the, the other bit is like, it just, you know, like all of these type like software, like it encourages you to put front end logic in. And I don't mean just like on the, the front end part of it where you choose your visualization and your aggregation, which Mm -hmm is kind of a black box when you're doing point and click things but most of the way tableau works is like you you build use a sql query to build an extract yeah and then you do pivots on the extract yep and imagine you change your mind about the business logic that goes into that yeah if you're not doing just like select star from this predefined table in github then 
that's never going to get updated. Like, you, yeah. you know, that that business logic choice, it's, it's hard to update. There's no systematic way to go yeah. through your, your Tableau extracts and update all of the, the SQL polls. Yeah. So if anyone changes the table, like you're kind of screwed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we like our solution to that is to be better humans. Yeah. I don't know that that's a good solution for that's, most people. It's definitely not a scalable solution. Right. I, I mean, I, I know that it would not work for me. Well, like, I, I need better guardrails. Yeah. I, I, I like we picked like when we made a key migration in our database, we yeah. set aside three days to so go through to go all through of our, our Tableau reports yeah, and fix them. And fix them. And, yeah. like, that's a, I mean, it is a literally scalable solution. Like, we did it. Yeah. But also, that was three days the data science team was not yeah. weighing in on key product decisions yeah. that we were not influencing yeah, people. This, 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 by the way, from an engineering perspective, is the argument for service-based architectures. That, that the table no longer serves as the interface, so the, the two things are divorced from each other, mm-hmm. which means that like you can do whatever key migrations or schema changes you want on the table. You're, the thing you have to maintain is the interface of, of like functions and methods for how do I, how do I get the data I want, right. which is the thing that the, that, that the outside party, i.e. the Tableau dashboard, is actually interested in. I think, as usual, I think the engineers are right, and there's an argument about where to, to put that interface, right? Yeah. That is not obvious to me, right? So, like, you could put it, like, what, what structured data should, like, the, the, the business concept that you're talking about have, yeah. right? Um, should it be key value pairs in JSON, like, I don't even I like I don't know how like your Tableau analyst is gonna like find that. But what about you? What about having a like an API table, like a data APIs table in yeah. your data warehouse where you want to combine these things together? You pull like all of these the like there's a certain common structure that they all have because they're forced to in one table. Yeah. And then you can pull all of those into your extract and aggregate them accordingly. I feel like that's a pre, like, to me, that feels like the best solution for, like, this problem of, like, how do I have dashboards and then try to not end up in a situation where I have to make 30 fixes for one change in business logic as opposed to one, one change in business logic that propagates everywhere. Yeah. But I don't know. Like this, this one where I like, I've, yeah. you, I've only gotten three or four swings at this problem and all of them seem to have problems. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I think what most engineers would define as a hard problem. Um, like, like interfaces are not easy. Um, but, uh, but that's like, uh, but if, if you can figure out how to divorce the interface from the representation of the underlying data, um, then, then, then maybe, maybe you only have to change one thing in one place. All right, let's let, let's talk through an example of that because yeah. I, I think that that's the you know, the, the, those are very abstract terms. But yeah. like, this is a thing you can nail down into a concrete example. Um, man, and my first thought goes to healthcare data uh-huh. because that's a good example of you know the the thing that you have in data is a claim. And then the, what the data should be is a disease or a diagnosis yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I'm tr- what's, an, what's another example that is more accessible to people who haven't worked in healthcare before, though? Um, 
So the divorcing the the data that you have from the representation would be you've got this layer that is like this is our claims, and then you've got this other layer that is like here's what we think here are the the diagnoses well, that we have the, the measurements. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, even if you think about the the claims themselves, right? So like just. Like that thing is going to come in and be put in in your database with a certain schema, yes. right? So it'll have like an ID and uh, you know and and a, and like a person ID and a provider ID and then a bunch of diagnoses and a date and and a location, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> I imagine uh, I but but like imagine one day that uh, that that someone decides that they need to change person ID to patient ID. This is right. This is literally like the thing that we either, yeah. either like you as a business decide that or the third party who, who's like managing your claims operation is just like, Hey guys, we're changing this ID. Yeah. Right? In Patreon, we, we literally yeah. did a similar thing where we, we went, we were using one key and it was bad. So yeah. we had to use another key. Yeah. So, so basically if, if all of your reports are pointed at that table that has all the medical claims, like the schema of that table is about to change. Uh, and so in that case, you're going to have to go through and find all the places where person ID is referenced and change it to patient ID. Uh, but if instead uh, your, uh, uh, your, your dashboards are pulling a, a service, so they still all have, all have person ID. Uh, in their uh, <clears throat> uh, in their in uh, in their aggregation, but they don't point at the raw table. They point at a piece of software that just says, "Please give me the number of claims that that uh, uh, that each person has." Yeah, or it could be a derived table right. too. Right? Uh, I mean, the the point is that it is an interface yeah. table, right? It's not the raw data itself. Uh, and you would basically make a contract that, that says every dashboard has to point at this interface table. It cannot go all the way down to the raw table. Yeah. Uh, when that happens, that means like when the raw data changes, you just need to change the code in the interface. Right. But you do, like, I think the part where this will seem like, like the trade-off may not be worth it, or at least it will be hard to... Um, describe what the benefits are is that that doesn't mean you get to just make whatever changes you want. No, it doesn't. It means you actually have to engage in change management and understand yeah. what that, what yeah. sources well, pull from that interface. Well, and that's, and that's because like that interface becomes, is a firm contract. Um, the, 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 the other thing that's really hard, uh, is basically that in, uh, uh, so, so when you talk to engineers, they're going to want to tend to do this immediately of like, oh, we have to like build our interface and our services. The, the problem is that, that like, it turns out the hardest part of the problem is defining what that interface should, should look I like. I agree with that. So, <laughs> so like what data are the applications actually going to need in order to do their stuff? And it, it, at least in my experience, if you try to predefine that before you actually build the application and get data in the feedback loop, 
uh, it just never ends because you can never say, oh, I, I, there's enough in here now. I can build my application. Like you don't actually know what the application needs until you build the application. God, I really, I really want to like write out, write out this dynamic because I think it requires a blog post. But so the obvious thing to do if you're, if let's just take a look at it. We're talking about Tableau. If you're thinking about this problem from the dashboard perspective, yeah. the obvious thing to do is build the, 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 uh, the dashboard you want. Yeah. Take the query that feeds that dashboard, take that and turn that into the interface. Yeah. That is not going to be a great move a lot of the time, yeah. actually, because you're overbuilding to one specific thing. Well, and, and this is where like thinking and, like an engineer yeah. merges with thinking like an analyst in well, in a way that is well it, good, and I'm, I wish I were better at. Well, and and the interface is only useful if it can serve multiple applications. Otherwise, it's uh, otherwise, otherwise it's literally one to one. You're like just pushing the problem to a different layer, right? So right? and so, like knowing, uh, like like if you can build a single interface that can service ten different dashboards. Like, then you're in business because then now you only have one place to change the code when the underlying data changes. But, like, you got to know what those 10 dashboards are. So, so I feel like this is, this is a good way. Like I, I like, I like where we're going with this. So what's the right way to, like, what's the right process here? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back on what I said. Actually, the right process is to start with that single dashboard yeah. and turn that into the interface. And then you build another dashboard. You check all of your interface tables or APIs or whatever you're using yeah. and say, like, which is the one that I can turn into something that feeds this? Yeah, well, it, it, and it's going to be one of those things where, where, like, the first time you do it, it will look a lot like I'm just pulling from, from, from the raw data. Uh, uh, but... But like if if you are able, even even if you're just doing like a select star on the raw data and like copying it into another table, like just having that second one there that can be easily modified that you can then start to hook other things into now like gives you the framing to 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 start to like mold it and and change it to support other use cases and then before you know it you'll you will have an interface table as opposed to a data table. I think this is, so if you travel back in time 10 years, like people who did had jobs like data architect, um, people who, there's a, a lot of people, I mean, business intelligence still exists as a, as a thing. People do it. But yeah. there's a lot of people who had a job of BI architect or like SQL architect. Yeah. And you, what you would see them doing is they'd spend a lot of time making these cubes of data yeah. or these. Or really uh, designing right. cubes and schemes. Really, really designed tables that yeah. you don't see at a lot of modern startups. Yeah. Um, because most modern startups let the data scientists like build the data warehouse yeah. or the analysts or... Yeah, or, I mean, there. Uh, I, I, I think there are deeper reasons than than that it's it, it's basically like if you look structurally at, at like what that tended to do so to like have an architect for the data yeah it was because storage wasn't as cheap back then yeah right? and they were finding ways to aggregate things yeah and they were trying to find ways 
uh, to aggregate things, once storage was cheap, like that process is just a lot slower than letting someone do what they want. I, I agree. I think that one of the ancillary benefits that you got out of that type of over-designed data warehouse, though, was this strong contract I, that yes. you don't like. Yeah. So, so, so to be clear, I have seen the failings of the other model, too. Where like you just data like you can do whatever you want, and then before you know it, there's like fifteen thousand tables in your data warehouse, and like no one knows how to count anything. Uh, yeah, I mean the data the data science the data scientists and analysts have built all the tables in the data warehouse yeah. one, and it's literally like one per query. Yeah, uh, I have uh, there's another failing which doesn't necessarily involve so many tables, which I've also seen, which is like we build six or seven really wide tables. Yeah, and you. As a user of set, set tables, it has like nine timestamps stamps for like <laughs> seven or seven. Yeah. Seven, nine timestamps for like 15 measurements. You're like, oh, and you're oh, like, oh, I have no idea which timestamp. Which one am I supposed to use for this one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which fact happened at which time? Yeah. Please tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, so. I, like I, I, I do believe that there is actually like, like certainly there is value in sitting down and like thinking about about the the format, basically the data model that you want your data to be in, mm-hmm. uh, and and how that can like serve more than one use case. I just don't think there's value in doing that before you have built a couple of use cases. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I've I've definitely gone. I've ventured into like building the table too soon before really venturing into like what what use cases are yeah. it's going to serve before. But if you build a really good table, it is one of these like quiet oh, yeah. successes yeah. that it's hard like it's hard to put it on a resume. It's yeah. hard to describe it to people where they're like, "What are you really proud of at this job?" I'm like, "Well, uh, like you." It's like I did this thing. I built this table. Yeah. They're like, "What went into that?" Yeah. You like I had like there's like ten steps. Yeah. Well, most of them not actually technical in I order mean, to build a really good. I like, mean, like API endpoint esque table, which is which is kind of weird. Right, because if you're an engineer and you build a like a, a software feature or like an internal tool that like a lot of people use, like that is considered like a a big success in your career. Yes. Right. Of like, oh, this thing was was useful. Like that that gets like you know that gets prime real estate in your resume. Mm-hmm. Like you never see data scientists or uh, uh, doing this. Basically saying like yeah, so I I came up with with like this data model or I built this table representation that the entire company started using. Like that is a big deal. I, it's a big deal on the same order. I I, I, I have experience as to why they don't do this, mm-hmm. and which is that I when my, during my last round of interviews and I have talked to some people about this recently. Like one of my big accomplishments at Open Door in the short time I was there is I built a table. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was this like central representation of how, how, like whether a house was going to be profitable. Yeah. And um, it when I tell people they're like, well, what was your you know tell me about your time at Open Door? What was your biggest accomplishment there? I was like, oh, I built a table. They're just like, <laughs> like they just like they just, like I, almost I, don't want to like uh, yeah. hear what I have to say next. Okay, Even, I, I, <laughs> I I feel like you, 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 I, I mean I know you, Otis. And I love you, 
and it is ex- it is like exactly the thing you would do to be like literal. <laughs> like I built a table, right? Like like that's a place where you can like use some marketing speak and spruce it up a little bit. Like I built the central source for X that the business runs on. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then yeah, I think you're right. Like the way like the story, the correct storytelling technique yeah. is to. Is to like say you know I built the API yeah, by which they know whether a house will be profitable and how certain they are yeah, about that at well, what point in time, and then the big reveal at the end is like the representation wasn't SQL, but right? like, like nobody cares about that. Yeah, right. Like just like I built the thing that Open Door uses to uh, to figure out if a you know at a certain point in time if if a house is going to be profitable, like. That is a huge accomplishment. The I built a table in our database, like <laughs> kind of undersells the value that that drove to the business. Uh, you know, you know, saying it the other way like overstates my importance in the process a little bit, right? Like, Fair enough, like, but, but building a table involves like wrangling the like codifying the knowledge of nine to ten. People, right? yeah. Like that, but you still did that. Different, different. Yeah, no, I you did still that. did that. So, like, it, it's yeah. one of those. It's one of those situations, and I think there are a lot of these where the TLDR on it is bad. Yeah, right. Like, but the the depth on the story is good. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I I feel like there there there's ways of making that TLDR. Work, yeah, I mean, this is not clearly this is clearly not one of my strengths. Yeah, right. I I tend towards pith rather <laughs> than rather than uh, uh, verbose does not equal true yeah. most of the time when I'm when I'm trying to describe my accomplishments. Uh, but uh, so anyway, we talked a, a bit about like the problems of Tableau, yeah. how that relates to the everyday problems that you see in reporting and analytics. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Looker. Looker like we've talked yeah. about Looker before. Um, I feel like every time I talk about Looker, people are like, "Man, you hate Looker." Yeah. And I just, and like, and you know, truth be told, I'm a mode investor, and mode versus Looker is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am friends with people at Mode. I don't hate Looker though. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think Looker has a really fundamental labor market challenge. I think it's really succeeded on a, like people use it. Yep. Like it's. It's everywhere. People are, are like, it's won the market in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'd much, like, I think it's a better product than Tableau yeah. in serving similar use cases. Um, the big problem that I, like, the, the problems that I find with Looker are fascinating, and I like to talk about them. Mm-hmm. That does not mean it's a bad product, yeah. right? Like, I actually, I think it is interesting in ways. Yeah. That uh, like, then that's why I like to talk about its negatives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I am not a mode investor, uh, although I I do know a lot of the folks there and really like a lot of the folks there. Um, but like I, I, you know, I it, it, it feels clear to me at this point that like Looker probably did win the market. Um, like that, but but for what they're trying to do. They just have a larger addressable market than a company like like Mode does. Yeah, I don't think Mode Mode is uh, Mode isn't trying to be a BI tool, yeah. although it lends itself to some BI type use cases. Yeah, Looker is is legitimately yeah. trying to be a BI tool and be one that is fairly data science friendly, right? Like yeah, that it is, is it, it, it? I I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, I I feel like. 
like to me, Looker Looker is very much a BI product. If you want to get value out of it, you have to commit to the kind of business processes that they want you to run with. Right. It. And the, right. like it all it, it is very much what we just described. Yeah. Right. The the process you have to commit to is having that interface layer. Yeah, someone someone like so so, so for those of you who who, who aren't familiar uh, Looker has uh, has has uh, uh, has what an engineer would call uh, a, a domain specific language, i.e., it, it is a Looker. It's basically like Looker code. Uh, in order, f- uh, in, and that code allows you to build visualizations and and like interactive reports really really easily. Uh, 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 because it, it, it hooks directly into their point and click layer, um, and and so even if you don't know how to write code, like uh, this this domain specific language like maps directly in, into in, in, into their user interface. But in order to make it work, you have to like load and transform your data into the way that their product expects it to look, roughly speaking, uh, and so. So, like that—that that interface become, becomes a very strong contract. It also means that, from a business process perspective, somebody or some set of somebodies like need to be maintaining yeah. uh, and, that interface layer. And the fact that it is this custom language is really the part that is yeah. like leads to the part that is interesting and not great about it, which yeah. is that like you'd ideally want someone with a strong engineering bent doing this like doing the change management and maintaining this layer yeah because it is it, it is it, like it's their wheelhouse right yeah. and yet it being in a custom language means that like, like most engineers though don't yeah. want to don't they, they don't want to work in something that won't extend beyond the, the this very specific tool that they're using yeah and so you know github yeah. So, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, GitHub is is still non is is less specific in the way that it's Git. Yeah, Git, Git. Right. But yeah, I, I even think think most engineers still regard like the language of Git as like this an annoyingly custom yeah. non like pseudo code that they yeah. have to deal with yeah. in order to get their job done. Right. Fair. I mean, uh, although, like, uh, I would say anyone who used any of the other version control stuff that came earlier... <laughs> it's all got the same problems. It, well, yeah. it, the other, like, subversion was way worse. <clears throat> like, way, way worse. So, yeah, I mean, I... I so, so, so their, their domain-specific language, I think, is also its, its own issue because uh, when, when someone requests a new report... Uh, the way that you kind of do it is uh, assuming that it's a reconfiguration of data that's already in there is is like if it can't be done through through the point and click. So like you haven't kind of created the little modules that are that can be moved around and joined and stuff. Then you have to use their uh, it, it, like the the new report gets written in their in their in their language, mm-hmm. um, which you know to me. Like again, you have to commit to this to the business process of like we're going to use Looker's language, we're going to use Looker's data structure, and then we get all these benefits on the backside, 
which, you know, which is certainly true, but it also means that like as a data scientist or an analyst, like it's just, it's not a great user experience. No. And uh, that's the same problem with, I think that's the, the same problem with Tableau, yeah. but it's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like they're, tar- they get to target a much wider swath of people, mm-hmm. like the people who don't, who like just don't want to write SQL. Um, but at the same time, like if you are a person who's basically like, I, I want to get close to the data. I want to write things to, you know, against the data. Uh, everything, at least from, from my experience, I've, I've evaluated Looker a couple times now. Like that stuff, like, like that layer is, is second class because it doesn't fit into that, to that business process of like, everything is structured, you build these blocks, the operational users can kind of configure those blocks to, to, their hearts, to their heart's content, and then the entire organization finds it easy to, like, use, to use data to inform their decisions, um, which is, you know, so, so like, I, I kind of view it like there are two different ways of looking at the world, and depending on the on the business that that you're running and the people that you have is sort of how how you might make one choice versus, yeah. versus another. I think that I think it's interesting. Um, like Looker clearly is it's like beloved by operations and yeah. people. You know they want access to data and they don't want to have to ask a data scientist every time they want to know something. Like that that's a really strong selling point for the product. Yeah. It is. It's not a great experience to be the person that has to like maintain Looker, yeah. and that that's a problem yeah. because it's bought. Like you can imagine a lot of situations where Looker is bought by ops and then implemented by data science, yeah. and then like, I've or, seen that happen. Oh god, that sucks. Or engineering, <laughs> yeah. and like that's you know that politically or yeah. for your company's internal happiness, like that's that's not a great situation. You have yeah. to figure out some way to get through that. Yeah, um, and it's not obvious. Yeah. Um, the other bit about this, and I've seen, I you know, I've we don't have Looker here, but I've seen this at other companies. Is also a lot of those business users just want to use Excel. Yeah. Really. Like yeah. They, and so it's like you could end up in a situation where you maintain this virtual layer and invest all this this work into it, and people are just like, "Well, give me the CSV, and then I'll yeah, you know, do what I want to do with it in Excel." Yeah. That I. Uh, that I have also seen as a failure mode where people are basically like, I, you know, they, they, re, they just want to use Excel for whatever it is that they want to do. Um, that, that means number one, like there, there's no quality control around, around what gets done. Uh, and, uh, and it can almost never be repeated. Uh, so, uh, and, and if it's something like super useful, uh, it, it, it never gets out beyond that person. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, like trying to center it back into probably like the people who are listening to our podcast are probably, well, I mean, some of them might be in that business user class. I mean, yeah. Like you do see people who are using scripting languages to do their analysis. Yeah. Um, these days it's becoming more common, but mostly if you're sitting in the code writing classes, and you're, you have customers out in business land, like it's beyond your control whether they're going to use Excel or not. So yeah. I, I definitely strongly empathize with the like, 
desire to pull as much of that into yeah. somewhere, even though, like, look, look, I think they call them books, like the various look pivots and everything. Those yeah. aren't that quality controlled either. Yeah. It's really hard to anticipate yeah. what people are going to do and do they really understand what's a dimension and what's, you know, what's not. Um, it, it, yeah, these are tough problems. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think, I think it's cool that Google bot looker, yeah. I, I think... The BigQuery stack, I'm impressed by. Yeah, they're they're doing a good job. It's um, just starting to like really build that out. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. I enjoyed my experience with BigQuery. Yeah, a lot. Um, even though it felt like an evolving platform, and I thought that Google Sheets integrations were actually kind of nice. Again, if you've got yeah. business use, users, you can just. Yeah script things straight into a Google Sheet and have it be updated. Yeah. That's a pretty decent and, and way like, to go. They've they've got like a notebook server now too. That would be uh, yeah. Which I can't remember what the name of that product is. That solves a but, lot of problems yeah. for people. Um, but it's like it, it I I could see it being a very, very powerful combination and like if you were like a very data heavy company like both both in terms of the data flowing through your systems, but also in your decision making structure. So like you you need a lot of access to your data uh, surfaced in reports and applications and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, Google Google is clearly moving in the direct like like if they keep on this path, it it would be a no brainer that you would want the GCP stack mm-hmm. versus the AWS or Azure oh, stack. Yeah. I and, and I don't know if I can like I I'm short on the AWS stack. Yeah, it's pretty labor intensive. It's, like, it's really labor intensive. I mean, I like we're, we 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 just spent some time bitching about the labor like the yeah. the illusion of non labor intensiveness that Looker gives that is quite labor intensive. Yeah, no. AWS, but AWS yeah. is like like again like to go back to our dangerous animals. Looker's a deer, yeah. right? Like, people get hurt because it looks cute and they yeah. walk up to it. But AWS is a bear, yeah. right? Like, nobody, nobody thinks that it's not labor-intensive because it's goddamn labor-intensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it, it, so, the, so, 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 so to me, and, and like, I, I've seen this also play out in, like, in, like, a couple different ways now where, uh, where basically... Uh, the assumption is that like a company can move to the cloud and save money, <laughs> and it's pr- it's probably true that in that in in the long run, like you will save money by not running your own data centers. Uh, it, and there's lots of other reasons to do it. Like you get scalability, you get yeah. security, all that yeah, stuff. A lot of people who are like, oh, like clearly the cloud's not more, like it's not cheaper than running your own data centers are forgetting that like people are doing it things at, at like, yeah. like orders of magnitude times the scale yeah. that they were doing within their own data centers. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's just like the, the, uh, the problem that you run into is that it is not easy to to even configure those systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it, 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 it requires a specialized skill set that is not the same skill set as the running a data center skill set. Yeah, uh, which basically means like if you want to make that transition, you're 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 hiring an entirely new team where 
you know, those people are probably not inside your organization today. Uh, and so it is, it is a major, major step. And like, you know, that also means like you have to learn how to hire those people. Uh, and, and like, you have to learn how to recruit them. You have to learn how to tell if they're any good. You have to learn how to manage them once you bring them in. Like it's, you are, you are basically spinning up a software company if you're going to use AWS by itself. Not more people. It got so many feelings and opinions. (laughs) Uh, I like it. It feels to me like the Google Stack is Google Stack is less cl- is cleaner, labor yeah. intensive. Yeah, I mean, not zero. Yeah, well, you, you well, at least still have to like have people to like make sure yeah. you're not using a bunch of compute resources. It is more expensive generally. Yeah. In terms of like, not in terms of the people cost, but in terms of the, yeah. the software cost. Well, well, Google Google in this case like had the advantage of following. So they were able to look at, at the AWS service layer and essentially say, like, what well, we're works. We're not going to do that. We're not yeah, going to do that. Like, yeah. they, they basically knew all of the things that developers liked about it and all of the things that developers didn't like about it. And they could rebuild themselves to basically say, all right, we're going to do the stuff you like. We're going to do less of the stuff you don't like. I, I mean, we talked about, like, Google, Google Stack being a threat to, to Amazon's. But it's also, I feel like this is... This could be the start of the end for Microsoft's Office stack too. Oh yeah, and that's like people. Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft knows this. Like they're they're quite don't bright when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yo, like, you're talking to an ex softy man here. Yeah. You like Microsoft is big and contains multitudes. Yeah. Like there, I guarantee you, there are there are people within Office that are like, hmm. How do we how do we think about this threat? How do I counter it? Do I should I counter it? And yeah. then there's other people that are like, double down on the old shit. <laughs> old shit's always worked. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, 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 I do get that. My my sense from the folks that I've interacted with there is that they they believe that Azure is the future. They really, um, they it has more, it has yeah. more internal buy-in than a lot of their products. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not and just talking. And about, they should. Azure is a great offering as well. I'm not just talking about Azure, but yeah. I also think that, like, if I were to build a something that would undermine um, Office's dominance yeah. as an app suite, it wouldn't be Google Apps, right? It wouldn't be Better Office. Mm-hmm. It would be something like Looker and BigQuery. Well, where it's like. We're not like sure. Our apps are there. Our Google apps yeah. are there. Our, our those are there. They exist. You don't love them. Yeah. They're not great. They don't do anything better than any of Microsoft's yeah. things. But what they can do is they have connections that go directly into the, the developer stack. And oh yeah, those are good and smooth. Yeah. And uh, extensible. Yeah. And the Microsoft version of the same thing is a nightmare that makes everyone equally unhappy. Yeah. Uh, that. That is, uh, like, that's interesting. Like, I don't know that it's going to penetrate much beyond, like, tech companies yeah. in, anytime in the future. But that could be a situation yeah. where the, the 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 foundation is starting to crumble underneath that. Yeah, like, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. That, like, you know, basically to me, I would do it the same way of, like, of like basically say, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to build the cloud stack. So, yes. Looker, BigQuery, notebook, server, compute, all that stuff. And then what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to take the office equivalent products, the, 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 the G suite thing. And, and I'm going to say like, okay, this integrates into that for free. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and because they did, yeah, because like once you do that, then it's like, all right, well, you're getting the spreadsheet. It doesn't do everything that Excel does, but it will connect directly to your database and directly to your looker system and directly to your notebooks it also, and, hey, you can move data around. Look how easy this is. Once like, they, then it's a no-brainer. Once they fixed the bit where it randomly uh, merges cells when you paste into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, look, it's still running through a web browser, so like, <laughs> you're going to run into some limitations it's, from that. Like, it is one of the underrated marvels of technology that people can do spreadsheets in a web browser it it was definitely like i mean thinking back to like the late 90s early 2000s it was not at all obvious to me that you would ever be able to get a web browser to do anything useful other than like reading content yeah so like the fact that that they can basically run enterprise software now Mm -hmm. is amazing like that is amazing yeah and and even yeah even like 10 years ago i was like like playing with the first versions of of collaborative uh, spreadsheets i was like sucks (laughs) this is a lot more complicated than the engineers thought that it would be yeah (laughs) yeah but like it's kind of a miracle now that mm-hmm. like I basically don't need to install very much software on my machine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm. There are certain times when I like put like I install stuff on my Mac, and I'm yeah. like, oh, it feels good to have like it feels good to have something in my dock here. Like I still I installed Todoist recently, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, it's kind of nice to have something that's not actually on a web page. But then I download Tableau. Yeah. Like, uh, I have three Tableau notebooks open. <laughs> like, and I'm oh, like, oh, God, this God is never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. No, yeah. back into the web page. Everyone back into the web page. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of, uh, some of those Mac apps might, might actually be running in a web page just like inside of there. Probably is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like it's not even guaranteed when you install something that it's not just a web, uh, yeah. that it's not just a web browser. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, like, it is, it is nice, like, there are certain things, there are certain, like, touch and feel things you get when you know that you've got something that's actually, like, understands what your hardware environment is, yeah. and is trying to deal with that, yeah. um, as opposed to the web page, which is just like, I'm it's gonna like, trust hey, all my abstractions. Yeah, it's and, like, give me the JavaScript engine, I'm good to go. Yeah. So, I, I regret to announce that, like, we're gonna, we're gonna take a hiatus, and this will be the last show for a while. Yeah. Uh, the reason for that is I'm I'm leaving my job at Patreon, which amongst other things has provided us with a wonderful recording space. Um, so the sound might get appreciably worse <laughs> when we do come we'll back. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, Patreon's been Patreon's been really yeah, good to me. They've been very and, and, and they've been very supportive of, of this. Yes, um, and you know it's been it's like I haven't been here for a terribly long, but it's been a it's been a great company to work for, and uh, you know Mara, my boss, has been amazing to me um but i got like i got a, an opportunity that is just too good to pass up um i'm going to devoted health um i'm going to be working with dj patel and chris Alban amongst other people and uh, devoted listener mike um <laughs> so i'm really excited about that I'm, I'm gonna put uh, you know i'm gonna put i have to put a lot of effort into that and you know we're gonna we're gonna reconvene in three months and see see where we're at and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll be hearing from us again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause the can- Patreon campaign 
Um, if you haven't, that we had a new pledge this week, Ian France, and Ian, you'll be getting your sticker. We'll pause the camp Patreon campaign. We'll see what we do with that. Consider this the end of season one yeah. of differences, of small differences. We, we, it's long been basically a year. Um, got a, I'm pretty proud of what we got here. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I got more than one offer from the, the like at the, like, like leading up to my departure here, and at least one of the teams like listened to this <laughs> and decided that that was that they still wanted to work with me. So, <laughs> so like that, that's good. That's positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this has been really great, and we really appreciate everyone who's listened, um, and especially people who've given us money. That's that's also well, you didn't have to do that, and that's great of you. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, if you, uh, want to get in touch with us, I recommend, uh, getting us on Twitter. We're all still going to be there. We're going to keep the Twitter account going. So that's at of differences. I'm at old jacket and at Ian blue one. All right. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe out there. 